Welcome back, romance nerds. Woo. Mark Twain said truth is stranger than fiction, but that was before he ever heard of fan fiction. <laughs> Let's dive right in. <laughs> Music. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. And this podcast is brought to you by Northern Onondaga Public Library. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about all things related to Romance Landia. With that being said, please be aware that sometimes our material may be a little too sensitive for younger listeners. If you need to wait until they go to bed, we'll still be here for you. So without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I'm ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! All right, I'm going to apologize for this joke right from the get-go. Say it with pride. All right, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jackie. I don't have a fan in my room, but if I told you I did have a fan in my room, do you know what that would be? It would be on the ceiling. It'd be fan fiction. Because it's fictional. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that, was, that was really something, Jackie. I had a really good one, but it required a visual to go with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. It was a math joke, too. Oh, God, that's even worse. Well, it was like one of those isosceles triangles, and it was like OTP and find the angles of OTP and why it's OTP 90 Mm -hmm. degrees, and it's because my OTP is never straight. Gotcha. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, after that amazing thing, I don't know what to describe it. I don't know what adjective to use. I want to thank all of our amazing romance nerds out there for joining us on yet again another episode of Raging Romantics. Ah! We're still here. Woo! And Somehow. we are still being sponsored by the Northern Onondaga Public Library. It's a miracle, really. Since we haven't gotten ourselves fired yet. Somehow. So, uh, yay for us. If it's been a while since you visited a library, you should just go to one. We're you cool. Know, please. We're really fun. Just do it with a mask on. Yeah. Please. You know. Anyway, I am really excited to just dive right into our February topic, mm. fan fiction. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm worried. Why are you worried? I've never been a fan fiction reader. Like, mm. I have nothing against it. Yeah. I just never been brave enough to cross into that territory. Well, don't worry. It doesn't require a lot of bravery. It's really yeah. easy. I know. Don't it's worry. also kind of intimidating because really? it's like these sites, then you have to like log into these sites, and then you have to like dredge through everything and find mm. things and... I don't know. It just seems like a lot of work. I could I just go pick up a book. I'm so excited to tell you about the modern landscape of fan fiction because okay. it's really not that much work okay, <laughs> compared to what it used to be anyway. That's good. I mean, I was a Tumblr girl, so I yeah, read so that Tumblr posts. Yeah, it can't be that much harder to use archive. I don't know. It just seems like a whole other step. All right. We might. I was debating whether or not to make Jackie read fan fiction, <laughs> and I think I'm going to have to pick some I out. I think you and might have you. to. Yeah. I'll find something good. I don't know. I have to think about what fandom I want to give you. And okay. It's hard because it's such a massive kind of thing. I don't even know how to describe it other than a thing. I mean, I'll list I don't know my how ships. To pick one. Okay, Drake or Hermione. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Super Hulock. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Sherlock. But what ships within that? All of them. Every single one. So Except Molly you- Sherlock. I don't like <gasps> Molly Sherlock. I really don't. They're really cute in fanfic. In the show, he they're not healthy in the okay. In the show. Okay, maybe in the fanfic then. But any like Akatar, so Court of Thorns and Roses, mm. I'm down. Okay. Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Star Trek. I'm really tempted to give you the stuff I know you'd hate, but I'll be nice as long as it's not like OG Fifty Shades. <laughs> 
master of the universe which i don't think you can even find anymore you probably could i'm sure somebody's copied it illegally probably. but it would be pretty funny to give you fan fiction oh, about the fan fiction that started right. off a of fan fiction yeah no in the um in the 50 shades episode that we did mm-hmm. i found the link to the original master oh, yeah. it was like a thousand pages oh yeah she wrote a lot there was a reason why so many people loved her. You can't really get that kind of fan base with yeah. like a one-off. I wonder if you can find Beautiful Bastards like original. Like you by probably Christina could. Lauren. Yeah, The Office. I read The Office. Yeah. Before they were ever working together at fan fiction. Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah. Okay. So this was really important to me, not just because Jackie apparently is such a noob when it comes to <laughs> fan fiction. I am. But for the last couple of months of topics on the podcast, some sort of fan fiction or fandom thing has popped up in some kind of capacity. So I thought it would do us some good to take a month and talk about where fan fiction comes from, why people like to participate in it, and how it's intersecting more and more with publishing and romance. Because yeah. especially in the last 10 years, it's really blown up. Yeah. Especially because I've noticed in the past few years, a lot of authors, like you've said, have gotten their mm-hmm. start in either fan fiction or in Kindle, like direct publishing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to kind of look at that. And I keep saying we're going to have a publishing month in the next few months. So mm-hmm. this is all kind of like building up to that, <laughs> I coming. feel like. It's <laughs> I think it's especially nice because it's not as controversial as a topic as it used yeah. to be. But full disclosure, I am going to be taking a very positive view on fan fiction. Uh, I've been reading fan fiction since I was in late elementary school. I think I started like in sixth grade. What were you reading in elementary school? Well, because it was sixth grade. So that was like my elementary. I guess maybe for other people, it's it's early middle. I was in the elementary school. See, I don't know. Pennsylvania is weird. What do you want from me? But I am not even going to pretend I think there's something inherently wrong with it. There is still a lot of people that think it's very cringy or stupid or like a waste of time. And you know what? If you want that perspective, Google is free. I mean, I'm not going to deal with it. Some of these authors, like, like with Masters of the Universe, they write yeah. pages upon oh, yeah. pages of fiction. They have huge followings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, being the TikToker that I am, there's a lot of people still in the like book talk community who mm-hmm. read like AO3 and like will yeah. routinely be like, forget my giant stack of TBR. I'm just going back to AO3 over here. <laughs> it's pretty common to find a lot of fanfic that's well over 100K and really involved and amazing and just as good as stuff that's published. They just happen to start from a universe that's already been created. Yeah. So we are not starting from a place of, this is really stupid. Why don't you write your own thing? No. There are way more important points to criticize about fandom. Like, we still have a racism problem. There's still gatekeeping. There's still toxicity. There's still a lot of things to say. I'm not starting from a point, though, of like, oh, this is so dumb. Whatever. Tessa Dare got her start writing Pride and Prejudice fan fiction. So if it's good enough for her, it is good enough for all of us. Yeah, because when I talked to her before COVID, like when I went to that really cool super event and I got to talk to her for like an hour, it wasn't an hour, it felt like an hour (laughs) because I was so like, it was like in the Holy Land. And yeah, she mentioned that that was, there was like a Pride and Prejudice contest and that's how she got her start. Mm -hmm. There's so many authors we know of Mm -hmm. that have done that. Naomi Novik was one I just learned about. Yeah. She wrote Master and Commander fan fiction. Oh. Which oh. I didn't even know there was a fandom for that. Didn't that, that got turned into like a whole fantasy series, didn't it? And it's Napoleon's Dragons. I don't think she did that one specifically. I think it's definitely been inspired though by her fan fiction. Okay. I, I don't think she did as much as like E.L. James did. I don't think yeah. she filed off the serial numbers yeah. quite in the same way. I also want to mention really quickly that I had a very hard time putting this script together (laughs) for a month because fandom is really massive and I didn't want to claim something that I couldn't back up. I did my best with my research, but 
it's just really hard to be 100% certain yeah. of some of this. I mean, we've lost a lot of data as our technology grows and it changes. We have gone from physical copies of fan fiction in newspapers and fanzines to things like homemade fandom-specific websites, GeoCities, LiveJournal, and now Archive of Our Own and Wattpad. So there's just been a lot of stuff that's missed. Hmm. So I've tried to be careful with my research, and if I've missed something or if I credit the wrong fandom, please reach out to ragingromantics at nopal.org, and I will correct myself. It's just really tricky with online communities because things on the internet actually don't always live forever. People delete things, sites get taken down, and nobody knows what has been lost until it's too late. Yeah. So if you know something, I don't know, please let me know. Fan fiction, I was thinking about this too, is interesting because... <sighs> So, like, with a lot of the research that we do, mm -hmm. we try to, like, peer review and, like, scholarly yeah. journals. We try not to use Wikipedia yeah. as a source. <laughs> you know, we try to be good librarians and mm -hmm. good researchers. But with fan fiction, like you were saying, it's generated from, like, an individual, yeah. not from, like, a reputable source. Mm -hmm. Not that an individual isn't a reputable but source. It's but it's different. Yeah. It's, it's only, not peer reviewed. It's only recently that they started taking fandom as a serious yeah. kind of topic for academic study. I feel like most of this paper I could have written based off Tumblr posts, and that's not... Or Reddits. Yeah, that's yeah. not really how I want to do my research, but oh. it's just very... Ugh. That's an interesting point. It's still very much up in the air. It only feels like recently, now that it's starting to be a little less stigmatized... That people are taking it seriously. And even then, there's still so many people that are like, you should be writing your own things. Hmm. So just keep that in mind. I am totally open to correction. I mean, like I said, I have been in fandom more or less since I was in sixth grade, but I've always been more of like, I don't know, outside looking in. I've never been like a huge participant. Yeah, I mean, so there's stuff I could get wrong. You've read a lot, yeah. and I think that makes you a good consumer and what I'm hoping. able to talk about things. So let's let's go, Jen. Come on, yeah, tell so me about with, fanfic. With all the disclaimers and housekeeping out of the way, <laughs> let's start at our favorite part, the beginning. <gasps> History. <laughs> I love this. Are we going to Y2K? Well, we're going past that. <gasps> oh, we are going past that. Don't you worry, Jackie. We're hitting your favorite eras. Oh, yay. But I wanted to find really quick. Fandom is something I'm going to say a lot in this episode. If you're not sure what that means, basically fandom is a slang term for a group of people that all like the same things. Mm. That's basically all it is. There's a lot of affectionate nicknames and insults for specific fandoms. But if you want to talk about a group of Sherlock Holmes fans, you might say the Sherlock fandom, just to be brief. Okay. There are actually some people that will consider themselves like Holmanites or... Sherlock Lonians, like or Serpuhulakians. Yeah. So there are more specific things, but just to be brief, if I say fandom, I mean like a whole group of people that like this thing. And fandoms can exist outside of like fanfic too. Yeah. So like I'm obviously I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about with fanfic, but I'm in a whole bunch of fandoms and yeah. I do a lot of ships. Should we explain what ships are? Please. So ship is short for relationship. I like to imagine it as like a three-masted yeah. schooner <laughs> sailing boat. off into the horizon with my favorite couple OTPing on the bow. And it's basically just characters you want to be together. Yeah, and OTP is one mm -hmm. true pair. So. Yes. So there are going to be a lot of fandom slang terms falling around. So <laughs> if you need to Email I'm about us. to let my geek flag fly for you. <laughs> Most of this stuff is very work safe. Yes. Most of what I am talking about specifically, there are sections of fandom that are not work safe, but this is work safe. So please feel free to Google stuff. I will say we had feedback that we haven't been so good about our content warnings lately. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that email, yeah. which is, I like that you put that in there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, this one is pretty safe. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> there are dark NSFW. <laughs> I don't feel like it's that. It's SFW. <laughs> 
<laughs> I almost said SF4 work because it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So fan fiction, which is what we're mostly going to be talking about today, or fanfic as we're probably going to shorten, is exactly what it says in the name. It is fiction written by fans. I know. Real, real specific. To be specific, it is fictional writing written in an amateur capacity by fans, unauthorized by an existing work of fiction. That amateur part is really important. You cannot get paid to write fan fiction. I, yeah. I mm-hmm. guess I just don't like the word amateur. It okay. like sets my teeth on edge. I mean, that's fair. But technically, it is just somebody who doesn't get paid. Yeah. Non-professional. Like, yeah. Technically, you don't get paid for this. Like, yeah. that's all it means. I mean, there's still some, lots of amazing authors. Some fanfic writers I've heard get, like, paid. You're not supposed to. Oh. It's kind of like Isaiah. Like, if you probably were found out, you get in trouble. Oh, interesting. It's different if maybe the media license it. So, like, you know oh. how there's all those Star Wars stories now yeah. in books? But they're they're sort of attached to the original plot, but not really. But they're not, like... It's not, like, part of their universe. It's not exactly. part of... It's not... So, yeah. there's another term, canon. And yeah. canon is something that is... It doesn't go boom. Exactly. It doesn't go. <laughs> it's actually from Catholic Church, actually. Oh, from like, it's oh, not in yeah. the Bible. Okay. Yeah. So it's not specifically supposed to be like related to the topic or to the yeah. fandom. So if you say something that's it's not canon, it's like it didn't happen in the actual universe. Right. But some of these Star Wars books that are coming out or some of these other things that are being licensed, they're kind of like in a weird gray area. Mm. Or like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is very much paid Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's not technically part of the Marvel Universe, though. It's, like, outside of the... Is it canon, then? It's not canon, because... So, in the actual movies itself, like, Phil Coulson is still dead. Right. like, all that stuff didn't happen. Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Well, if you haven't seen The Avengers by now, I don't know what to do for you. (laughs) I still haven't seen the last two. (laughs) I haven't seen, like, four of them. I'm way out of date. But the show itself is not officially attached to the movies it's like again there's like these weird gray areas yeah those you get paid for but it's because they're licensed by the show but it's still not canon exactly okay you're going to read a harry potter fan fiction it's not licensed it's definitely not canon (laughs) exactly i mean some of them are canon because there's a lot that's been coming out i know of recently Mm -hmm. because of tiktok about like the um remus and all those guys like pre harry being born mm-hmm. like when they were at oh school. yeah so people will maybe do stuff based off of it yeah but again because it's not actually from jk rowling okay like she can come out with another cursed child sequel or whatever and we totally don't want to listen to her anymore anyway yeah i know she's so. gotta stop <laughs> she's really gotta stop regardless i should stop using harry potter as an example it's okay i think it's one of the most well-known it is it's one of the bigger ones yeah but, but again Free is the key there because okay. you will get in trouble if you get paid. Interesting. Thanks to uh, Anne Rice. <coughs> we'll, we'll get to her. Oh, okay. <laughs> that work of fiction can come from anywhere. So books, movies, TV shows, video games, anime, whatever property you love. If you go through any of the fan fiction websites, you can see some really crazy things. Like there's an option for Tetris on fanfiction.net. There is a Bible fan fiction <laughs> group on Archive of Our Own. Stop. Are you serious? I swear. Google it. Bible archive of our own. There's a whole bunch. Uh, I think I should read that for next mm-hmm. time. No, I don't want to actually. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I mean, re- oh my God. There are political ones. So it ranges from Hamilton the musical to putting like Trump and Putin together. That's what I mean when I say fan fiction is so big. It really is so massive. There's really no rules. Oh it's God. a very unwieldy thing to try to explain to somebody like Jackie who <laughs> does not have a lot of experience with it. Oh, open-minded so, though let's go <laughs> so if you don't remember anything else remember that fandom has like no rules like you okay. really can have a fandom of as anything. long as you don't get paid 
don't get paid that's about it okay. unless you're gonna get licensed okay and then yeah it gets printed it's official but then once it still it's, might not be canon i was once it's sorry mm. once it's licensed and once you're paid for it is mm-hmm. it still fan fiction that's kind of another gray area because stuff that has been licensed and they've written about maybe the creator will come back and say well you know that's not actually a branch of my own work it's kind of like a different universe of this i would say it's because really i hard. keep thinking back to star wars because yeah, i think star that's wars is so many. the obvious one where there's mm-hmm. like thrain and all of those ones that have come out where so many of them have been licensed and are no longer mm-hmm. considered fan fiction fan fiction they're oh my god fan fiction mm-hmm. they're just considered regular in the universe fiction i'm gonna say it's not just because they're getting paid yeah and if anybody wants to argue with me please let me know i'm willing to change my mind but hmm. i think if you have the seal of approval from lucas films yeah if you're getting paid by Lucas Films, it's not, then it's yeah. not really fan fiction. Yeah. Like, you have permission to do this. Yeah. Whether or not yeah. they continue with that kind of whatever story you put forth, that's always kind of the question. If okay. they're going to attach it to, like, the originals. Yeah. I guess. Okay. So. Carry on. Most people assume fanfic is a fairly recent thing. But it actually stretches back a few centuries. So. <laughs> if you want to be a smart aleck, you can claim that fan fiction actually began with the first time anyone ever wrote something based off the Bible. I really wish I had had the guts in high school to tell my English teacher that Dante's Inferno was actually Bible fan fiction, not a Renaissance classic. I think that would have been fun, but I did not. <laughs> I ship it. <laughs> that would have been really cool. Some people will even say authors like William Shakespeare wrote fanfic because it was common practice at the time for playwrights to borrow plots and characters from oh, one yeah. another. Plus, you know what? There's some evidence that Romeo and Juliet was based off a real couple. It was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Are you ready to hear yeah. me Shakespeare nerd out? Sure. So, Romeo and Juliet is based off of Midsummer Night's Dream, mm-hmm. Pyramus and Thisbe, which is based off of a Roman tragedy, mm-hmm. Pyramus and Thisbe, which is in turn based off of a myth, mm-hmm. which is in turn based off of I don't know what. So a lot of fan fiction layers there. Yes. So William Shakespeare is a fanfic author. Yes. I'm sorry to yes. if that offends any think, fanfic guys out there. I think Shakespeare would totally be down with calling Probably. himself a fanfic writer. <laughs> he wasn't that uh, serious. Yeah. Thank you. No. <laughs> Not at all. Christopher Marlowe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare. No. No, he was a cool guy. Homeboy was getting down in the corner. (laughs) So I think people usually make those claims to be funny like we are. And there is some frustration because fan fiction is still kind of mocked. So they're like, well, you know, the Bible has so much fan fiction based off of it. (laughs) But fan fiction, regardless, is still old. In a fun callback to last month, Jackie, do you want to guess what one of the first books was that had fanfic inspired by it? Frankenstein? I mean, you're kind of thinking this the right period. In the 18th century, people actually made fan art and wrote stories about Gulliver's travels. That was one of the first ones that we can trace back. Readers really wanted to know what kinds of adventures Gulliver could get up himself up to. Huh. So they just wrote those adventures themselves rather than wait for the author. So you're telling me OG sci-fic. Yep. Sci-fic. Wow. <laughs> Sci-fi inspired OG fanfic. Yep. It all comes around. It's all linked together. If I was one of those crazy people, I'd have like... A flowchart. A string with a flowchart on the wall. All like the red strings. Yeah. like, And you'd be that guy with the crazy hair and the mm-hmm. eyes. Going, <gasps> it's all connected. It is all connected. You know what's even funnier? People, people even wanted to know more about throwaway details. They didn't. He didn't even mention it, but he had a wife. And she barely came up at all in the story, but the fans wanted to know about huh. that wife. So Alexander Pope wrote a series of poems based off Mary Gulliver being left alone by Gulliver, who wasn't there to, you know, do his duties by her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, a little oh. smutty. Those 18th century writers, mm. they were spicy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Enlightenment did a lot of things, guys. <laughs> they weren't always so buttoned up. <laughs> so the 1740 novel Pamela was another story oh, yeah. that inspired readers wanting more. You might remember we've mentioned Pamela in a few previous episodes mm-hmm. because it was one of those early romance novels that was a very big deal. But it wasn't only influential in romance. It was also important for early fan fiction. Hmm. In the original story, if you forgot, Pamela was a lady's maid who was constantly resisting her boss's advances on her. But lots of fans of the books actually wanted her to give in to him. So a lot of people wrote books where she was wholeheartedly accepting of those advances. Why does that sound like Fifty Shades? <laughs> it all comes back around. This is what I mean when there's no original <laughs> Everything story. Everything is circular. <laughs> Henry Fielding, a well-known author at the time, he actually wrote a book called Shamala, where <laughs> Pamela was only pretending to be this shy, modest woman. And uh, it, she was actually playing a very long game to tap, to trap and tempt her boss. To tap her boss, too. To tap her <laughs> That's not worth a quarter. <laughs> nope. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so, unfortunately, those particular works don't seem to hold the kind of appeal they once did. I don't think the Pamela fandom is doing very well in 2022. No. Sorry about that, Pamela. But Sherlock is probably the fandom yes. you have heard about. Yes. Obviously, it's still super popular today, especially after the success of the BBC adaption. <gasps> Benny Cumberbatch. But that actually is not a modern thing. Sherlock was insanely popular back when it first came out. Which author Conan Doyle hated, by the way, which is he really funny. Really, so there is a quote by him, and it's so sad now. Well, but he was like, "If the only thing I'm known for is writing Sherlock, I will hate myself." And you know what? The thing is, I don't know anything but his Sherlock, so he was right. Sorry, Arthur. Sorry, that's the only we thing I'm it. aware of. I need to rewatch it. But it, he hated it so much, he actually tried to kill off Sherlock just to get rid of him, so he could go back to his yeah. serious historical work. And uh, England would not let him do that basically they went into mourning newspapers published obituaries of sherlock people wore black armbands and in 1893 punch magazine actually published eight stories under the title the adventures of pinlock holes which is a very obvious sherlock holmes reference i love this time of book publishing Mm -hmm. because it was just like it was everything was starting to explode Mm -hmm. and like you had the dime store novels and these pulp magazines that were like everybody was writing in so it was kind of like the og internet it was a little bit yeah and then they were widely distributed (laughs) they were like cheaper than everything Mm -hmm. i love it do you want to know something fun about those stories yes one of them was written by j.m barry the author of peter pan oh yeah so everybody was writing fanfic not just some random people. Yeah. Like I, even they ended up being friends and they wrote stories together after because Doyle was so impressed with his story and his take on Sherlock Holmes that it actually went into his autobiography. Oh, wow. It was like a really big deal. People have been writing Sherlock fan fiction for a very long time. Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly the first published attempt, but it was one of the earliest and most important that I found. Doyle was basically forced to bring Sherlock back from the dead because no one else cared about his other work. <laughs> Which is really- <gasps> oh my gosh! Mm. It's the Reichenbeck Falls. It is. He- yep. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. geek flag. Yeah, flying very proudly. <laughs> See, she would be the people writing those stories and of pinlock. Holes. I would have totally worn a black all- armband. <laughs> also, fun fact: people would actually mail Doyle fan fiction. Oh yeah, of, like their own Sherlock fan fiction. He even bought some of them. Oh wow! So he actually confused some future fans on what works he had written himself and which he had gotten somewhere else. He wouldn't collaborate with a lot of people, so if he liked the work that they sent him, he would end up buying the rights and the credit. Hmm. 
So he would take their names totally off it oh. and just be like, oh, look, I wrote this. But Ooh, did he hoo. pay them? Yeah, he did pay oh, them. okay, okay. Yeah, no, he got money. And so ghostwriters. Yeah, the one example I saw was he read the story from this guy and was like, you know, this is actually good. You can just change the name and do it yourself. Like, what are you doing? I'm not going to collaborate with you. And if I take it, then you're not going to get any credit. And this guy was, no, it's totally fine. Woo. That guy did end up writing his own stuff after. <laughs> but just for whatever reason, he was really like, huh. yeah, Doyle likes me. So what I'm hearing is Arthur Conan Doyle was like Patterson but better <laughs> I don't know if I'd say Patterson because it wasn't that frequent like there's some that they know absolutely well, he, he did had not to write. write it by hand that's true he didn't have as much time <laughs> there, he, he didn't. probably didn't have dictation <laughs> and honestly Doyle was really busy going to psychics and trying to talk to his dead son so yeah he was just a sad guy in general he was well that was life. the period of like um oh, I forget what it's called Spiritualism. Spiritualism, yeah. thank you. I was trying mm-hmm. to say mysticism. I was yeah. like, no, that's not I mean, right. it's, it's similar. So what was really exciting, though, is Doyle's style was so popular that would-be authors would write detective stories very similar to Sherlock or just change their Sherlock fanfic into original stories. Hmm. So I thought that was a really interesting ripple effect, that even though he is long gone, we have all the Sherlock stories, maybe. It's nice that that's kind of how a lot of detective stories got inspired into creation. Yeah. So... I think right now we are already starting to see some of the early seeds of why people read and write fanfic. There are a million reasons why people might, but some of the ones that tend to pop over and over again, fans want more of their favorite universes or characters. So maybe reading the one book wasn't enough for them. And there's only so much an author can humanly write, but they want more content. So Mm -hmm. they will make that content themselves. Mm. Also fans want to fill in the gaps of their favorite stories. Mm -hmm. So like where Gulliver's Travels, where readers wanted to explore what was going on with the wife. They did it themselves. Fans also wonder, what if? And they want to see that explored. What if Gulliver went on more adventures? What if Pamela gave into her boss's seductions? So that's kind of the three reasons you see the most. Oh, yeah. Just as like kind of a bonus reason. People will write fan fiction just as practice to write their own original work. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a mixed bag on if that's a good idea or not. Some people are very like, yeah, it's amazing. Good job. And then other people are like, no, you're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to talk about that too much, but it is an option for some people. Some people are just really happy to just be amateurs and to want to do it for fun. And fan fiction can be a very supportive community with a lot of feedback. Yeah. So very much depends. I, w- I will say there's a whole other layer to it, too, that I was mm-hmm. just thinking of as fan art. Yeah. That's something I do follow. Mm-hmm. Fan art's really fun. <laughs> um, it is so fun. I just sent Jen and Ice Planet Barbarians <laughs> one. That I definitely, I'm sorry, that I cannot. Not safe for work. I can't. If you want it, contact me directly, and I will send it to you. But it's definitely NSFW. Not in our work email. Yeah. <laughs> no, it will not be on <laughs> nopal.org. Um, but, like, it's interesting, too, because think that that adds a whole nother layer of talent to mm-hmm. it and it's just so gorgeous to look yeah. at I wish I could be an artist <laughs> I know I I love it I didn't talk about fan art too much in this episode but there are some amazing people that get so inspired by the work and especially if it's something that is not a kind of visual medium already if you want to do Sherlock f- fan art it's because you know there's no pictures of it and you see it in your mind and you want to get it on paper and share it with other people and it's a really beautiful thing. Akatar is one of my favorites. So a Court mm. of Thorns and Roses. Somebody meshed, if you know, um, Cassian, who is one of these, my favorite character. Mm. He's gorgeous. Um, they meshed him with Henry Cavill from The Witcher. Mm. It's beautiful. I love that aspect of fandom, too, where yeah. people just mesh different characters and universes together. Isn't there a word for that? 
I mean, there's probably a lot of words I'm trying to... Yeah. Oh, you mean like a crossover? Okay, kind yeah. Of? Well, yeah. there's... Like, that's one word, but depending on the specific thing, there might be, like, if you gender bend a character... There we go, gender bend. That's bend. the one, yeah. So when you turn one sex into the other, so, like, Harry yeah. Potter is suddenly, like... What is... What, Harriet oh, Potter? Harriet, yeah. Harriet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the female version. I mean, there's a couple ones, mm-hmm. but I think crossover and gender bend were the there's two There's a I lot, honestly. Of. I am thinking very badly on the top of my head but I know there's more and yeah. people get very very creative or I don't know I've seen oh I saw these really great ones of the Disney princesses put as the villains and the <gasps> zombies I love those yeah. mm-hmm. or like the villains turned into the heroes yeah things like that are really creative it's just amazing the Jafar creativity was people. really sexy that's yeah. all I'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> but going back to our fan fiction okay no one has described these things as fan fiction yet if that's interesting to you. We're back in like early 1900s. Yeah, we're still there. Okay. I just want to, I wanted to sorry, clear up those. Sorry, reasons. sorry, <laughs> No one's really describing these things as fan fiction yet, but that'll change in the creation of yet another callback to last month's episode, Jackie. Do you want to guess what helped start the modern fan fiction movement? What show? I'll give you a hint. Well, what show? show? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a hint. Show. Star Trek. Yeah! Yeah! You got it! Space. Yes. This is the show that modern fandom is most credited with, and I haven't seen a lot to dismiss that. I saw one article say it was actually The Man from Uncle, but nobody really seems to care about that show anymore. No. <laughs> and Star Trek is the most influential, popular one. I mean, it's been popular for 40, 60 years. It came out so in the good. Yeah, it's insane. So we're going to go with that one. It was Star Trek. In the 1960s, Star Trek enjoyed a very loyal, enthusiastic fan base. Since this was before the internet, you couldn't just experience the fandom online. So you might go to sci-fi conventions instead or create fan groups or create and sell what they called fan scenes. So a magazine, but a fan. Oh, that's what that word comes from. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think most people shorten it to just scene. Yeah. But like fan scene. So in the 1970s, you're going to like this word, Spockanalia (gasps) was the first fan scene to publish fan fiction and others quickly followed. Oh my God. I love that so much. (laughs) Jackie, do you want to guess which pairings were the most popular in Spock and Kirk? Yes. <laughs> See, now you're getting it. <laughs> I ship it so hard. <laughs> so we already know from the last episode, I'm not a fan of sci-fi. So I've never seen any Star Trek and I've never read anything in the fandom, but I, I've read that the two had chemistry the fans really responded oh, to. Yeah, I don't know if you have any opinions. Oh, it's beautiful. There's some amazing fan art as well mm-hmm. for that one. So. But, like, did they have something together? Like, did they? So, yeah. So Spock and Kirk were, they, it was enemies to lovers. Oh, oh, yeah. That'll do it. And then if you add in Bones, mm-hmm. who was, um, it's a doctor. They yeah. call him Bones. He calls himself Bones. Um, that one is also another good ship that's friends to lovers. Mm-hmm. But also, it's a trifle. Oh. Oh, that's why they get paired together. That's why they're, okay. Heavy breathing ensues on this end. (laughs) Kirk and Spock are particularly important because this created what's known as slash fanfic. If you've read a slash fic, that means you're reading a story that features a pairing with two of the same sex characters. Oh, okay. The slash word comes from how the pairing was written in the summary. M slash M, F slash F. So So it would look like Kurt slash Spock. Oh, okay, okay. And this pairing was so influential that that's just kind of what became the norm. It really oh, kind of set the trend. Oh, well, so, look at that, Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek fan fiction only got more popular when fans started creating their own fan sites online as soon as that was available to them. I have a question. Yeah. Was it always sexual? <sighs> kind of. I mean, I wouldn't want to say always because there's such a wide range of fan fiction, but yeah, people really wanted to see them together. I, that I, was a big obviously. deal. It was a big deal. I mean, because like I'm going to talk about, a lot of the networks 
we're never going to have an openly queer character no. on the show, especially at that period. I mean, it was amazing that they were able to get um, Nicole. Nicole, how do you pronounce her name? Nicole, the Ursula, the woman who played like that Ursula character. Oh, I'm terrible with actor names. Nicole Michaels or something. I can't pronounce something her name. like it's that. Like, yeah, I, it's like Nicole without an e. Nicole. I don't know how to. Nicole. Nicole. It's Nicole. It without the e. Yeah, I hate English so much. But whatever. The point was, it was a big deal. They got her. There was they were never gonna let Kirk and Spark be Spark. Spock. <laughs> hey, Sparky. <laughs> they were never gonna let Kirk and Spock be together. So the authors and the fans apparently put in a lot of subtext and let people you know read they between the lines. Definitely put in a lot of subtext. Yeah. <laughs> it was very that deliberate. was the origin of subtext. So I hope you noticed, Jackie, and obviously you did. The fandom ended up shipping two characters that were never, ever meant to be together on the show. In fact, two male characters, which was a very big deal. This is the first sign we see that fan fiction could be really subversive and turn mm. into one of the only fictional mediums where the heterosexual couples are not the, mo- are not the norm. I love it. I love mm-hmm. things that are subversive. <laughs> it can be. I don't want to say that it's always perfect. Yeah, no. But that was a really big deal at the yeah. time. So when we start looking at modern fandom, we'll see that a lot of the really popular pairings are characters like Draco slash Harry, Dean slash Castell, Castiel, Sherlock, uh, Dean slash Castiel, Sherlock slash Win, uh, Will, why Jen, <laughs> Winston, I spelled his name, but Wilson instead. Uh, I got confused. Wilson, oh my God, Doctor House and Wilson. <laughs> All right, we're just gonna skip Dean. Uh, yeah, Dean and whatever. Winchester. Winchester. <laughs> So these are people who were given totally different partners in the show, and none of them were gay. There are still a lot of heterosexual pairings, obviously, but when you look at the numbers, it is usually male and male, mm. which is pretty interesting. It, Re- um, you're probably going to get into this, yeah. but uh, nodding. No, it's okay. I mean, uh, like Omegaverse now? Omegaverse. What about it? That started as like fan yeah, fiction, yeah, exactly. male, male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah okay. that started in the supernatural community. Sorry, I couldn't think of Omegaverse and all I could <laughs> think of was nodding. <laughs> if you guys want to know more about nodding, we are not talking about it. It's in, yeah, we Email have us and I'll contact <laughs> you from not a work email. <laughs> so readers have had a few f- theories for why this happened. Some people think it's just a numbers game. Male representation in media still outweighs female. Mm. So if you have more male characters on a show than women, it's more likely that they'll be paired with each other. Mm. Which I'm like, eh, okay, I don't know. Also, I mean, a lot of the consumership for these types of things is female. Yeah. And we've kind of briefly touched on, like, the female gaze and, like, mm-hmm. portrayal of male characters is mm-hmm. largely through the male gaze. Right. But this, I mean, it's mostly female writers. I mean, there's a lot of male mm-hmm. fanfic writers out there. Not that many. But, like, romantic is women. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, taking it from the male gaze of the show into the female gaze of these romantic pairings. That is actually an amazing point. Because one of the other things that people think, oh, this is why male-male pairings are so prevalent, is women kind of want to take these men and put them into more emotional, bonding, Mm. nicer plots. We love it. So, yeah, exactly. They want to put them into a female gaze. I love it. And that's kind of a way to mold them into that in the fan fiction. Because, like, I know people love Dean, I don't know how particularly female gazy he is on Supernatural. He's very female gazy Yes. In fan fiction. He did not start out very female gazy There's got to be a better term for I don't that. know why that's the adjective I picked. I'm so um, sorry. But he did evolve into that. And I definitely think that fanfic played a large part into mm-hmm. how he evolved into like a more feminine character, mm-hmm. I guess. Because he's still like a manly man. I hate to say feminine. It's emotional. Emotional. I think. Yeah. yeah. He's very emotional. But, you know, that sounds bad. I just... I I hate those, More like, full, full body, maybe. Yeah. Well-developed. 
Another consideration is that for a very long time, like I said, shows were either uninterested or discouraged from creating gay characters. Mm. So sometimes instead they would give viewers a lot of subtext of a relationship they weren't allowed to show and let the, the viewers kind of pick up on the clues. Yeah. So this is what happened in a show like Xena, where <gasps> the writers and the actors did everything they could to show Xena and Gabrielle in love. love without actually saying that because of the network oh my goodness mm. yeah it's really disappointing because in the reboot they were going to do of xena they were going to be overly like yeah like obviously gay yeah and then the the reboot died which was really sad that makes me think of uh frozen mm. there's a lot of fanfic out there and it's almost canon now yeah. i think that elsa is queer yeah and i will say some shows do this by accident but for the most part it is kind of like wink like we yeah. couldn't say this at the time but uh look at the longing glances there are a few shows that will go nameless that deliberately bait fans into thinking there could be a gay relationship happening in order to keep viewers, but then never deliver in order to not offend more conservative viewers or networks. I'm just so, going to keep dwelling on this. This is called queer baiting, and the <laughs> internet will rain down on you if you do that. You know another good example? Maybe I shouldn't say this. Uh, Supergirl had a problem oh, with that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. people kept thinking, oh, Kara and Lena, or Lena? Lena. Lena. Are going to get together. And then actually there was a minor scandal because the... At one of the conventions they went to, the cast made fun of a fan who asked about it. Mm. They were just like, oh, they would never. <laughs> but they did it very mockingly. And I think very, Teen like, Wolf was another big one that did that. Mm, I don't know about queer baiting. And, um, Maybe. I don't know about <clears throat> that specific. I mean, honestly, I used to read Teen Wolf fan fiction. I never watched the show, so I was really like, oh, wow, Styles and Derek are together. Styles it's so cute. Is so cute. Yeah, I was like, I love it. And I found out very sadly that, no, it wasn't true. No, it's not. That, I don't know if queer baited or not, but... I think it was slightly it an issue. Maybe a little bit. I feel like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. I also want to make sure I mention that for a lot of people, fandom can be a way they see themselves. So sure, they'll make Harry Potter a character that fits their lived experience more closely. Every stat I saw was that it's women and LGBT queer writers that are writing the most fan fiction. 20% of fan fiction might be written by men, but I'm really suspicious of that number. Mm. I mean, it's the same percentage that RWA says writes romance and i'm like i'm wondering if the two stats just got conflated or something i'm also wondering at like identifying writers yeah and like gendering writers mm -hmm. i mean because fan fiction's anonymous yeah but like for the most part for the most part i mean some people will be like here's my face here's my name but it's pretty rare to do that yeah so it's yeah like you're going Snow off Dragon's what people Ice say Queen. yeah <laughs> and people have gotten in trouble for lying about their sex or their race or their whatever and Interesting. it comes out yeah. and then it's a whole fire that's oh, more yeah. for original stuff oh, okay like, that's been a couple of Twitter scandals last year was people would come out and, well, not they wouldn't come out, they'd get exposed. Oh. <laughs> it happens. Not so, it happens a little bit in fan fiction. So I don't want to give this as a reason that makes fandom, like, totally inclusive, amazing place, because it's not always. But being able to write the kinds of characters you wish you saw in modern media is a really important reason for a lot of people to participate in fandom. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, it's just a further way to play with your favorite characters or your favorite worlds. There's a lot of fans that want to remain very true to the original platform, but so many more want to twist and want to expand and see what they can make. It's more fun to pair Harry and Draco together over Harry and Ginny. Or to see what Harry Potter would be like in American high school, or to do an enemies to lovers plot with Draco and Hermione. Who, yeah, is my favorite Harry Potter person. I am so mad that they did not get together. I mean, listen, I love Ron. So mad. No, I, eh, he's fine. I think he's a goober. He's I don't um, think neither of them should have been together. Like, all three of them should have gone off and had their own lives separate of each other. Yeah. Like, I got mad. I mean, I'm mad at Rowling for a lot of things, but I think especially <laughs> when she said, okay, I shouldn't have put her with Ron, but I should have put her with Harry. I'm like, let them go live their own lives. Yeah. They could still be the golden trio forever, but yeah, they sh should have 
more than just each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was my rant. <laughs> I know the only rant. <laughs> so Star Trek was the very start of it, but it's definitely not going to be the end of it. Other really popular fandoms like the X-Files grew on the web mm. on these homemade websites or on a kind of service called GeoCities, which oh, was a yeah. way you can make like your own bloggers, blogging platforms, sorry. <laughs> but it wasn't seen as acceptable behavior for a while. I don't want us to forget that it's really been only in the last couple of years that it's been more mainstream to read or write fan fiction. So at this time, people are keeping it to themselves or these communities online. Wasn't Buffy really big too at mm-hmm. this time? Yeah, Buffy yeah. was big. X-Files were big. I saw a lot of examples that Frasier was kind of big. So it really is everything. Really? Yeah. I couldn't find any proof because, again, a lot of these are gone. That's Kelsey Grammer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, are we sure? But no, people kept mentioning, yeah, I was in Frasier. And other people were in the Daria, which was that comic. I don't think I ever saw. I is don't... that late? It's that brunette with the glasses. It's like a comic. Daria? I'll have to with, look like, it plaid. up. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I was like, there's a comic. Like, Huh. There was a fandom for that? I mean, I know there's, like, Scooby. Yeah. Like, Velma. Mm-hmm. But, huh. But these are very secret communities until yeah. things start to change with Harry Potter and Twilight, by the way. So, Harry Potter was probably one of the first book fandoms I got really obsessed with. I wanted to read more Harry Potter stuff because I Potter had already. Head. <laughs> yep. What's your Hogwarts house? I got Gryffindor. Same. Yeah, yeah I got it. I got it in the official one. Okay, because okay. like yeah. the first time I got the Ravenclaw, oh. and then when you know when they had you redo it because they changed the test. Yeah. Then I got Gryffindor. Yeah. So I can say yeah, I am Gryffindor. I'm I've not been a Gryffindor from the beginnings. <laughs> okay. All right, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm all like a, brash I'm and a no real, substance. I'm a real <laughs> Gryffindor. I'm a real boy. <laughs> I, got, I feel like such a millennial. <laughs> I'm not supposed. to. It's supposed to be really what it krugy krugy krugy. There's some word now when we're cringy. Oh, um, krugy. No, we're I really know what old. You're trying to say doesn't matter. My point being that I read so much Harry Potter back then. <laughs> I reread the books constantly. I thought it was a crime that Draco and Hermione were not being paired together, even after she punched him in the face, which what? is obviously okay. true love. Yes. I don't know what Rowling was thinking. Okay, but what about Victor Crumb? Oh my God, yes, that was my second favorite. <laughs> I reread book four mm-hmm. so, so many, many times, times because Crumb. of Victor Crumb. Hindsight, we probably he should have ended up with Hermione. It should have been a threesome. <laughs> well, that exists in fan fiction. I need to read those. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find those. Okay. Too. We'll see. <laughs> Our fangirl is just coming out so hard with all these. So I also want to mention it was a fandom that came in at the right time. Mm. Fanfiction.net and LiveJournal both launched in the late 90s. Oh, and LiveJournal. those were the major fan fan fiction platforms of the day i also think too because our generation the Mm -hmm. millennials we're starting to really get into the internet and we were the really the generation that was raised with that sort of stuff in online life Mm -hmm. um and so we're obsessed with it because we were really the ones who are learning about it it, who mm -hmm. was doing it who were doing it sorry (laughs) verbs um but yeah Mm -hmm. and we were the ones raised with harry potter twilight Mm-hmm. Fifty Shades and a fuller further on. <laughs> Fifty Shades was a little old for me. That, that was when I was, I was in college. college. Yeah, yeah. But Harry Potter definitely was just like nostalgia kids thing. I had a computer in my room. Yeah. I wanted to find the fan fiction because I really wanted more content. So I definitely related to that stuff of like she's not writing fast enough for me. Yeah, she's taking way too long in between these books. How dare she? 
I mean, I can tell you now, the only reason I probably got into fanfiction was because of fanfiction.net. I wasn't really into live journals formatting. I thought it was kind of confusing, but fanfiction.net was super easy to use and it was a massive collection of lots of different fandoms. So I could go back and forth between all of my interests, pick the rating I wanted or the character or the genre, or I could organize it by the amount of reviews to get to the best stuff first. It was very, very easy for me to use. Um, I actually just looked at it before I started recording this and I'm like, wow, this is ugly. Oh. But at the time I was like, wow, this is so streamlined and nice. Because I remember I was like on live journal yeah. vaguely. We only had one computer in my house and it was my mom's work computer. So, but I was on live journal and I just had like a visual memory of what live journal mm. looked like. I would go on it if there was a specific author I liked, but otherwise I wouldn't like play around on there. It was confusing, but fanfiction.net was very simple. Yeah. It was a lot easier My for me anyway. MySpace days. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to go to a specific Harry Potter website, the way they had to with like the Star Treks or the the Frasers, <laughs> I don't think I would have done it. And Harry Potter was especially important because as we've illustrated, it was super popular. It was a huge world. You could do anything with it. So there was so many options for fanfic, any kind of plots. And because it took so long for the next book to come out. Oh my God, <laughs> we yes. We wanted it. I was youngish at the time, but I've read in other interviews that older fans felt like Harry Potter had all of these really interesting adult characters that were never featured or expanded on. Yeah. So a lot of adults loved Harry Potter too, because they could be like, all right, let me talk about Harry's parents. Let me talk about the ghosts. Let me talk about the professors. There I was know a lot that of stuff to fill in. Mm-hmm. Remus and Sirius yeah. have like huge fan oh, bases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> Fanfiction.net was great for a lot of years. But they started to run into issues with copyright holders not Mm -hmm. wanting their works to be rewritten into sexually explicit fanfic. As we've kind of hinted at, there is a heavy, smutty component to fanfiction. There can be. And Rowling especially was somebody who threatened people for... She didn't threaten them directly like Anne Rice did. Well, now we know why. She did send... She was not happy, I should say, that... To be fair, Harry is a child. Like, I get why she might not be thrilled with it. But to do kind of legal maneuvers was a little like, eh, and it made fanfiction.net very, very nervous. Didn't he have his first kiss when he was like 14, though? So she was like. Okay, kissing is very different I, from an okay, ex. Yes, from, yes, I understand that. <laughs> I mean, fanfiction. 14, now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, 14 for your It's like a baby. Kiss? Oh my God, but if you so think young. about all those hormones and stuff, like that's pretty normal, I think, for kids to think about it. The hair he yeah. had in the movie. Exactly. And, you know, at the time, fanfiction.net, they had ratings from G to E. So it was like G, like, you know, like a movie rating, PG-13, blah, blah, blah. E was for explicit. Okay. They did have those kind of things going around. It's pretty hard to sue fanfic authors, luckily, as long as, again, you're not making any money off of it. But people have tried to make fanfiction profitable, but it usually doesn't work, honestly. And it's usually these bigger groups trying. Uh, For a while, Amazon tried to do it. And yeah, they shut it down after five years. It just, it doesn't really work out that well. But enough authors tried to get fanfiction.net taken down, especially when Anne Rice got involved, that fanfiction.net had to do something. Mm. RIP to Anne Rice and everything and yada yada, but the woman hated fanfic. Like, she despised it. She had this personal vendetta against it when you read quotes from her. I found a lot of personal accounts of her threatening to sue individual authors for their work. I will say I did not find any kind of actual papers. Like, Mm. nobody uploaded their letter from Anne Rice. A lot of people were just like, oh, I heard this. I was one of these people. I saw saw this. No hard proof. I will say that much. But she did say that she absolutely hated it. She didn't understand why people couldn't do their own works. She loved her character so much that it just would make her sick. 
I saw there was this theory that she was told some bad information that people would be trying to sell her work. Oh. So there might have been a financial component. Yeah. I mean, she made it sound like it was this very emotional thing. Like, I just love them too much. I, I mean, can't, I can't. I can get it because they're mm-hmm. your brain babies. Yeah, your babies. But, you know, it's fair use. Like, yeah. if you're not making money off it, do and i don't think fandom is usually bad for the author's publicity no like it's not like having too many fans is gonna ruin you unless they're nazis or something that's about it she ended up sending something to fanfiction.net don't know what but apparently she did send a cease and desist she sent like an army of lawyers and fanfiction.net just ended up deleting a lot of work without warning as a kind of like a just in case so so amazon basically they got rid of all of Anne rice's stuff and then they also went through and got rid of anything that was rated E. So they got rid of all of their explicit fix and then anything else that might be offensive. So, again, there was some distasteful stuff. There was some stuff that, not my cup of tea. They just took it out, though. And even they even took out some stuff that uh, might have just been taken out because, yeah, maybe there was, like, some LGBT stuff in it, which mm. it's fan fiction that's all over. It is known as the Great Purge because of how much they took off. Uh, just in general online and this was one of the reasons writers started looking for new places to host work what year was the great purge supposed to be like mid 2000s so like 2005 to 2007 okay it's hard to find actual information again about it because it's something i've seen referenced 5,000 times on tumblr and like people who've been in fandom forever will talk about the day that all the e stories went missing and there's probably like no paper trail of it because everything got deleted exactly so it was maybe if you saved it yourself but to save it back then you'd have to either screenshot it or like copy and paste also screenshotting in early 2000s oh god maybe you couldn't i guess you could (laughs) yeah you'd have to like copy and paste into a word doc if you were going to save something quote unquote save I'm trying to like recall computers. Well, because it was that massive thing yeah, that looked like a TV. And the, yeah, and the keyboard. And you had a tower, mm-hmm. a modem, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Could you screenshot? I have to Google this. <laughs> Could you screenshot? So, yeah, I guess all that stuff was just lost. I mean, if they had saved copies of their own work, because hopefully they would have written it in like a Word doc or something and uploaded it. Like, the individual authors themselves might have had it, but, you know, if that document had gone away, then, yeah, a lot of stuff was gone. So, I guess, like, alt print was always an option. Oh, okay. Oh, Um, you could print it. You had to use paint. Oh! Do you remember paint? (laughs) Oh, God, Anne Rice sucks. So, you had to alt print, open paint, Mm. paste the image, save it, and print it. You want to know something funny that's not about Anne Rice? You Mm. know the author of Outlander, um, Diana Diana Gabaldon? She's another one who hates fan fiction. Really? She said it felt like to do fan fiction was like selling her children into white slavery. (laughs) So they were really dramatic. Wow. (laughs) Okay, then. Mm. So there's a lot of this going on, and we're kind of starting to see signs, too, of kind of this purity take hold with people where they were very much like, you know, there's certain things we should not write about and we should get rid of. And you kind of see that online in fandoms, and it kind of goes back to they think they're protecting children. And there's probably a lot more I could say. I don't know how much to say because it, it kind of focuses on, um, on some unsavory things mm. that in the end, if you just don't click the story, that's like the easiest way to protect yourself. Because like fanfic has is like one of the first ones to use like content warnings right yeah yeah and that's partly because of Anne Rice 
so first of all, they had legal disclaimers because of Anne Rice, where they had to be like, we're not making any money. We don't own this, yada, yada. That wasn't good enough for her. She still did the cease and desist lawyers. The lawyers. <laughs> the, I mean, yeah, lawyers yeah, too. Yeah, lawyers. <laughs> and then just in general, because people wanted to say, well, this is exactly what you're getting into if you read the story. Here's all my content warnings. Okay. So, Which we like. Yes. I love content. Please give me as much content warnings as you love. So this kind of great purge and kind of like these attitudes that are shifting now about being like, we have to get rid of these stories to save the children are kind of why people started looking for a safer place to host work. So Archive of Our Own, our favorite, this is where this kind of begins. This is one of the reasons why Archive of Our Own was created. But I've also read that Archive was created in response to a group of men who wanted to create a company that could profitize fanfic. So again, going back to men. Fanfic authors are mostly women, so no one liked these men were hanging around trying to profit off of women's work. No. No, thank you. No. So, the Organization for Transformative Works was created in 2007. It is a nonprofit that focuses on preserving and encouraging fan art hmm. and fan work. Like I said before, a lot of this episode is me doing my best to make sure <laughs> that there wasn't some other fandom or group that did this stuff first because a lot of that early work is gone. The OTW is a really important group that helps protect fan fiction and the authors who write it. They created Archive of Our Own in 2009 to act as an archive to store and collect fan fiction. Okay. So it's completely volunteer based. So is it and that's hosted, kind of the big thing. The the archive is then hosted through OTW. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and they take donations to help uh, run it, maintain the servers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I have to tell you guys, as someone who grew up using fanfiction.net, Archive is a total game changer. I love AO3, and I've totally stopped using fanfiction.net. They have an amazing tagging system that works perfectly. It's really easy to find what you want. They're also really big on not censoring anything because of that. So you do get a lot of criticism online because, yeah, there is distasteful stuff on there. There's stuff that I would not read, and there's stuff that if it was in the library, I'd, I'd throw it in the trash, right? <laughs> because it's, like, racist or sexist or it's whatever. But... You know what? It's up to you to read the tags and curate your own experience. Mm. There's this concept known as Dead Dove, which is inspired from an Arrested Development episode where one of the characters sees a bag in a refrigerator labeled Dead Dove, and he decides to open it anyway, and he looks at it, and he's like, well, what did I expect? Yeah. So it's kind of a sign of, like, you read the tags. It's exactly what it says it is. Don't read it if you don't want to read it, basically. Yeah. It says it right on the tin. So... Going off of this, could mm-hmm. we call Kindle Unlimited? Oh, no, because you're making money. I was going to say, could mm-hmm. we call it fan fiction? But no, because you're no. making money. It's like I said, they tried in 2013. They called it Amazon Worlds. Mm. They tried to have a fanfic platform where they had these licensed worlds that people could write fan fiction in. But the worlds were really limited and nobody trusted Amazon because there yeah. were all these crazy requirements of like, once you post it, you don't own it. Sounds like an NFT. <laughs> Yeah, an early NFT. So it ended up shutting down in 2018, I think. And okay. it was only around five years. Okay. And like various little things has popped up. And uh, we're going to be talking about that too with Wattpad next time. Because right. there is a, a little thing coming up about that. Oh, boy. So, yeah, Archive basically protects all of us. And they are very, very against censorship. Okay. Again, because of the Great Purge. So we're just like, we're not going to revisit that part of our history. I don't care what's in it. I don't care how dark and gross and awful and gory or whatever. Just it's on the tag. Don't touch it. You can report it if it doesn't have all the tags and needs. But otherwise, it's up to you to curate your own reading responsibility. 
So let's remember at this point that fan fiction is still seen as pretty lame and terrible. <laughs> Twilight, though, is probably where that attitude starts to yes! change. Yes! Here we go. Do you want to hear a fun story before Please. we start? Okay, so I was a twihard. Of course My you are. My best friends and I were all twihards mm-hmm. to the point that the night the last movie came out, mm-hmm. we, of course, we went to a midnight showing. Yeah. But prior to the midnight showing, we all congregated at my friend Emma's house. And we made our own Twilight movie. Wow. I was Renesmee <laughs> in the chance of a lifetime. Thank you very much. Um, and we totally, it was like Twilight Something. fanfic movie. That's really common for people to do. I know. There are a lot of fan movies. There's still evidence Star of Trek. this movie out there. Star Trek has done that. There are okay. fan episodes of Star Trek. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of Star Kid or the Harry Potter yes. musical. Yeah. Like it's basically the same. It's, yeah. it's really popular. To Snape. Do Snape. Yep. Severus Snape Dumbledore. That was, weren't those the puppets? They were. They were the puppets. Th- that's what popped mm-hmm. in my head, though. I know that's not the musical. Okay. <laughs> musical was really good, though. Hey, but, hey, so hey, thank you, Twilight, for changing that, because up till that point, a lot of authors just kind of ignored the concept of fan fiction or outright hated it and race. <coughs> so some creators were maybe supportive or interested. Star Trek guy Gene Rodberry was actually pretty like, oh, good job, you guys. I like I like Spock and Kirk together. That's cute. Oh, yeah. They were very happy with it. But Trek most people were just like out of sight, out of mind. So we've talked about how massive Twilight was, so we're not going to rehash that here. And we know that there was a ton of popularity for the books. And that meant people wanting to put their own spin on them to explore further. Case in point. Of course. (laughs) To her credit, Stephanie Mayer actually encouraged it. I've read some conflicting things on how much she liked it. And I think she felt like people should eventually write their own stuff. But she did support her own work being turned into fan fiction. And she actually shared some of her favorite stories online. So like I, she would post the link to yeah. like, oh, this one's really good. Like, I think that's really cool. I mean, also Twilight itself was fan fiction. Exactly. So she. So I think it would well, be no, a little no, no, hypocritical. No, 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 Twilight wasn't. She got a dream. It was a dream. She had a dream about loving a boy who could kill her. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Okay. <laughs> Most famously, she told E.L. James good for her when she turned her Twilight fan fiction, Masters of the Universe, into Fifty Shades of Grey. Did she say congratulations to Christina Lauren? I don't think so. It's too bad. I know. That one deserves it more. So I want to give her a little bit of credit. I think she helped make fan fiction a little more mainstream, but Mm. just a little credit. Just a little lot. Cheryl and Kenyon did the same thing. So, you know, there. So there were authors that wanted to do it. They just, Cheryl and Kenyon wasn't as big. Anyway, I think with AO3 being so easy to use, more people spent time online and just getting really obsessed with these major universes like Marvel or Supernatural, the public opinion on fan fiction started to turn. I can tell you, I would not be doing this episode if I thought I was going to be mocked for it later. <laughs> so. I will never mock you for liking fanfic. I mean, you could if you saw some of the ones I read. <laughs> Social media sites like Tumblr and Wattpad are also Tumblr. huge stage. Yes, Tumblr. I know. I haven't even gotten into Tumblr. Tumblr is such a God. weird health site, though. I don't know how to describe it. And it's like, it's, <laughs> since 2018, it's gone so downhill yeah, because has. of the censorship <laughs> issue. Exactly. So that's kind of why AO3 is especially like no censorship. I don't care what trash it is. No so censorship. If, I'll, mm-hmm. I can go into this, actually. If you aren't aware, Tumblr A is a social media site. Mm-hmm. But it got really kind of infamous between like 2013, I'll say in 2016, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of explicit material yeah. on there. Um, 2018 is when they banned it. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. I know. But it was like really popular until oh, 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in 2016, I remember they started mm-hmm. um, really like talking about censorship censorship, mm-hmm. and taking things down, they being the Tumblr overseers. And in 2018, they declared that anything that was um, considered 
corn mm-hmm. or uh, uh, explicit material or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like yeah. that, they were going to automatically ban you for and you would never be able to use Tumblr again. And it wasn't totally Tumblr. They wanted – it was mostly Tumblr, but they wanted a more fem- family-friendly – kind of message because they were having trouble getting advertisers and then they were also having trouble getting onto the apple app store oh i didn't know about yeah. the apple that's why they just released the that new list of banned words because they were still oh. having trouble with apple because apple is notoriously like i don't want to say family friendly but they are very very weirdly strict about what yeah. can go on the app store yeah they just did another round of banning a lot of words that were things like girl girl boss tony oh. the tiger like things you wouldn't necessarily associate with sex, but I think maybe people were using them still because there's still porn bots on there. Yeah. Like they didn't do a good job getting rid of anything. Yeah. So good job there, Tumblr. Yeah. But Tumblr is very easy to use. And yeah, it's a haven for people that write fan fiction. There's yeah. a lot of people that will put their stuff on Tumblr before Archive or anywhere else. And Wattpad especially is a massive source. I don't know if you guys have heard of After. Yes. But that was originally Harry Styles fan fiction that was featured on Wattpad. There you go. So I think just making it accessible to readers it ended up being one of the tipping points to making it more accessible and more mainstream. Before you could only buy fan scenes at conventions or you had to have some computer knowledge to find this stuff. Now it is stupid easy. Yeah. Plus, I think there's less stigma in doing nerdy things yes. than there's ever been. Like, look at how much money Marvel makes and they're just comic book movies. Yeah. Or everybody plays video games now. I just don't think being a nerd today isn't that big of a deal the way it used to be. No, it's really not. Yeah. I mean, if they could have Terry Sergeant Terry Jeffords on Brooklyn Nine-Nine talk about writing Madam Secretary fan fiction, we're all good. Yes. Okay? Everybody's great. Yes. So there is some Wattpad news I want to discuss as one of the main reasons for why I wanted to do this episode, but I'm saving that for next time oh. when we start to talk about how romance and fan fiction intersect. Love it. Thank you. So it's been really hard to give you guys a concise history just because fan fiction is so big and feels like it's constantly shifting. I am well aware I have a big blind spot to fandoms outside of the ones I love. So I'm hoping I was fair and at least somewhat correct. But if you have your own history or story to share, please let us know at ragingromantics at nopal.org. And if anything was not clear to you, because I'm still mildly confused. It's big. And like it takes years. It's like as somebody who grew up in the internet era and like social media becoming an advent and everything mm-hmm. like that I, I understand a lot of the momentum and the impetus behind fan fiction yeah it was just never something that I got into because my family wasn't big in like technology I mean computers. you had horses yeah yeah like I lived in the middle of nowhere by myself and I had a computer in my room so I was like all right let me go well, like, do this instead I wasn't allowed to play video games growing mm-hmm. up or anything like that I had so. a game boy I played in church yeah <laughs> oh yeah they wanted me to be quiet <laughs> See, I think this is why we both got into uh, the things we got into. You got into fanfic. I got into bodice rippers. But. So we'll see about next time. I think I am going to make Jackie read some stuff. I'll have to spend the weekend looking. Yes, please. Really considering what I want to force you to read. Okay. (laughs) Make it not like 100K, please. No, I'll give you some short ones. I won't be too mean. I just have to think about it. Okay. I have a couple ideas in mind. I'm trying to decide if I want to give you one I actually really love, but if you hate it, I'm going to be like, I hate your guts. Well, we've been through this already. You know what I'm into right now? I'm really, so I like Marvel and I'm really into Darcy Lewis at the moment. I don't like Marvel. See, the thing is, it's not really that Marvel though, because Darcy Lewis ends up being like kind of an every woman character. Okay. So it ends up, I mean, there's a ton of alternate universe Marvel. I don't, I almost never read one that's like, okay, very canon. Okay. 
So uh, right now I'm reading a lot of Darcy Lewis and Brock Rumlow, who's the villain from Winter Soldier. <laughs> I will say I do like the Black Panther, so anything with the Black Panther. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. I'll see. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, this is going on long enough. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Thank and you. I am really excited to talk about Wattpad. Yes, and Jen. And other things next time. What do we always say? Rage on! Bye, guys.